Be dazzled this holiday season by Northern Virginia's largest drive-through light show at Bull Run Festival of Lights. Celebrate the holidays as a family while staying warm and cozy. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow through two and a half miles of dazzling displays in Bull Run Regional Park in Centerville, Virginia. Plan your visit now. When you visit by mid-December, you'll save. Get your tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Takes over. Confess to the faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. And faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. Shout it like you mean it. Hallelujah. Amen. If your confession is always, I'm on my way there, I'm going to get there, I might be there, you're always going to be in that stage where you should have, would have, could have, maybe trying to. But any people say, I'm already there. Hallelujah. And you say, Bishop, it doesn't seem like I'm in my promised land. Can I tell you how you know you're there? The giants only showed up when you were in your promised land. So if you've got some giants that are in front of you in your life right now, you ought to stop crying and start shouting because giants don't show up to fight nobodies. They only show up to fight Davids. Are there any Davids in the house this morning that'll say, giant, I'm ready. I got. Hallelujah. Go to Numbers chapter 14, if you would. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. Numbers 14, verse 18. Hallelujah. When you have it, say, I have it. Hallelujah. It says this, the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. I want you to see there are two different things there, but watch this. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. One more place. Go to Proverbs 10, 29. So it says God is very patient. God has mercy. He forgives, but, but he doesn't clear the guilty. So, sometimes as believers, we think that forgiveness means there's no consequence for our actions, and that, that's not what forgiveness means. You, you, somebody ever asked you to forgive them for something, but they continue to do it, and you say, well, obviously you don't understand what this whole thing is all about. If you go out today and you commit a crime, while God forgives you, there's still a consequence for your action. Are you still here? Proverbs 10, 29. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. Iniquity. Say that with me. Iniquity. Father, you hear me. You always hear me over these next few moments. I decrease that you might increase. Thank you 
for speaking clearly a word today that's not just about this generation, but that's about setting free the generations that are to come. I thank you that I'm speaking to a room not of mistakes, not of failures, not of accidents, but of conquerors and victors and people that are here that are just like Jeremiah. They've come to root some stuff up. They've come to tear some stuff down. We have come to change this generation. And we thank you, Father, that you would send a special fire of your Holy Spirit today that would allow us, Father, to break every iniquity and iniquitous thing that is on the generation that we live. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. High five two or three people as you take your seats and say, I saw you do it. 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 You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. How many times have you heard a young person say, I did that because I saw so-and-so do it? Matter of fact, you may be an adult and you may be doing things and you say, well, I did that because I saw so-and-so did that. I did that because of this, that, and the other. When, when, when we think of the phrase, I saw you do it, there is always a connection to someone else. Say connection. Now, I want to say this. I already made mention of it. I have not come uh, to, to just uh, uh, preach today. I have come to set a generation free today because if we can get parents that walk in the freedom of God and parents that walk in the kingdom, then we will have children that do. I, I think there's some parents in the place today that say, I want my children to have it better than I did. I want, And if I don't have children, then I want my cousins, my nieces, and my nephews. I want them to have it better than I did. I don't want them to make the same mistakes that I did. I don't want them to go down the same path that took me years to get fixed from. I don't want them messing with drugs and alcohol. Whatever it is, I, I want it better for the generations to come. And so today we've got to set up generation free because this is bigger than you. Your life is bigger than you. Tell somebody say your life is bigger than you. Uh, most people spend their entire lives working out what happens to them as children. See, watch this. Sin isn't just sin. There were three kinds of sin or wrongdoing that we find in the scripture. The first was generically the word sin, which means to miss the mark. It was literally an archery term to where if you were shooting a bow and arrow and you missed it, they would yell out sin. Now, the scripture says we have all sinned, missed the mark, and fell short of the glory of Jesus Christ. So if you're in here today thinking, well, I've made so many mistakes, Bishop, I, I've done so many bad things. I'm here to tell you that was yesterday, and today's a brand new day, and you got a brand new set of mercy. I don't care how you messed up, who you messed up with. God says if you'll come to me and make a decision to change, I, anybody, I have any witnesses that know what I'm talking about, that when God should have thrown you out, he kept you, that when he should have left you he took you back anybody thankful that he's a god of mercy and thankful that he's a god of grace man you don't know what i've been through you you don't know what the person sitting next to you 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 see their glory but you don't know their story you see them smiling, but you don't know what hell they have to go through to get to that smile. You, you see them driving a nice automobile, but don't you talk about them because you don't know the days they were walking and riding the bus and the day they were bawling and begging from other people. High five somebody so you don't know my story. You to sin is to miss the mark, but the second kind of sin we find in Scripture, this is what Adam did. It is to transgress. Transgression is to willingly disobey or deviate from what you know to be the truth. God speaks to Adam and says, from all the trees of the fruit of the garden you can take, but just don't mess with this tree because this tree is the tree that if you mess with it, it's mine. It's the first fruit. Don't mess with mine. It's like the tithe. God says, don't mess with that. That's mine. God gives a specific instruction to Adam. God expects Adam to tell Eve because Eve wasn't there when God gives the instruction. And, and God says, listen, 
Don't mess with it. And here, a few verses later, he's messing with it. He willfully deviated from what he knew to be correct. That's called, what is it? Transgression. But now the third kind of sin is what we're going to deal with today. It's iniquity. Say iniquity. Now, iniquity works like this. It is generational sin. It are things that are passed down. Many times, iniquity plagues us from people that you haven't even met. This is why you can find yourself doing things and you don't know why you're doing them. It's because iniquity has done what the scripture said. It has knocked at the door of your life, and now you have a decision on how you're going to answer that knock. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Iniquity, the Bible says, visits up to the third and fourth generation, which means it's just like that TV commercial where they knock on the door and say, we used to live here. That's what iniquity says. Iniquity says, I got your mama with this, your grandmama with this, her mama with this, and so I, I used to live here, so can we come in? Are you still with me? Uh, that's iniquity. Say iniquity. Now watch this, watch this. I said to us, uh, the thesis was this, is that most of us spend our lives working out what happened to us as children. And there are three kinds of experiences that we have that we're working out. The first experience is maybe you experienced trauma as a child. Trauma. Trauma are uh, things that are unexpected, things that take big blows out of you, things that have great emotional costs affixed to them. Trauma, everybody, whether regardless of who you are, has experienced some kind of trauma. In fact, uh, trauma really, uh, it coalesces with pathologies. Pathology is the study of suffering. That's why some people can confess, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, but never walk it out because there's some iniquity there that's affecting the pathology. All they know is suffering, so anything that looks like it's not suffering, they run from. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Uh, uh, anything that looks like I was telling a story to our, our, our sons and daughters class earlier today about our pastor was talking about how uh, his great grandmother had grown up in a particular era where to heap the home, uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't even gas. I don't know what it was. It was just uh, maybe wood or something. I don't know. Oh, oh, in the home. And that's how they heated the home. And then times got modern. And as modern times came, they had central air and central heating. But the great-grandmother would not go over into where they had the central air and the central heat. She was much more comfortable over here with what she was used to and what was familiar to her. I'm going to deal with that in just a moment. And, and she would not venture into what was new because she felt like she wasn't good enough for that so she said now baby I'm gonna stay over here because that's heaven over there some people all they know is how to be messed up how to be miserable how to fall out with people how to have bad relationships how to have bad uh, budget poorly and all of these things and so the pathology of their lives suggests that they want to suffer because all they do is suffer I told you I came to set a generation free today, so you might not be able to shout hallelujah. That's all right, but I bet you'll be free by the time you walk out of here. I bet your children and your children's children will be free by the time you walk out of here. So, so the pathology, it's a study of suffering. So people will say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, yet they, that, yet they walk and talk and act like they're cursed. On church, they'll shout and they'll, they'll give God praise and they'll give God worship and they'll do all of that. But when they walk out, they live like a cursed person. They'll say, I have faith, yet their faith is in their job. It's not really in God because if that job is gone, then they ain't coming to church no more. If that job is gone, they're not going to worship God anymore. God says there's a trauma that happens. And when you're a child and trauma happens, sometimes you can think this is the way it's supposed to be. 
Because this is the way it's always been. If you were molested or violated as a child, many times you will have distorted views of what sexuality is supposed to be because you're thinking your pathology suggests this is the way it's supposed to be. Are you still here? <laughs> so every time you talk to people that are dealing with trauma, you know that they've been traumatized because they're always rehearsing it. Every time they're talking to you, they're rehearsing their trauma. You say, how are you doing? Wasn't that a good message today? Oh, but let me tell you. They're, they're rehearsing their trauma. You'll say, isn't it good? Jobs are rebounding in Colorado. Isn't good things, good things happening? Oh, well, let me tell you. I lost it from such and such. They're always rehearsing their trauma because they're stuck in their childhood. And while they may possess an adult body, they possess the psyche of a 15-year-old because when they were 15, that's when trauma hit. Are you still here? No, no, no. So say trauma. Say trauma. Uh, every time you talk to uh, people that have been through trauma, you know it because they rehearse it. You know it because they're always glorifying their problems and not their God. You know people dealing with trauma. It's all, the sky's always falling. It's always the end of the world. I mean, forget 2012. I mean, it, it's 2012 today. I mean, whatever. We don't believe in that. I'm just being funny here. All right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, uh, trauma, trauma, trauma. Se second thing, though, that happens to you as a child. You're saying, Mister, what does this have to do with parenting? Because I found that people with very, uh, uh, very challenged and troubled childhoods turn into people that create very challenged and troubled childhoods. Let me say it another way. People that have been hurt end up being people that hurt. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, second thing, second thing is bad habits, bad habits, bad habits. You, you, as a child, you, you, you see people, we see people uh, practice bad habits. Bad habits is a nice way. It, it's, a, it's a very political and a curse. I've taught you this before. It's an empowerment to fail. You can be empowered to fail. You can be empowered not to do well. It's a bad habit. Bishop, Bishop, how is a curse and a bad habit the same thing? Because habits decide your future. See, I can't control the future, but I can control my future because I can control my habits. Are you getting what I'm saying? So let me give you a very pragmatic example of it. Uh, if, if, if I am, if, if, if I get a, in a bad habit of, of, I don't know, eating pulled pork sandwiches, Is a very real life example. Thank you, Jesus. Don't you judge me. But if I engage, watch this, in a bad habit, okay, we'll pull pork every now and then, it's all right. But four and five times a week, that, that's a little too much. Watch this. If I engage in a bad habit, watch, watch the connection. If I engage in a bad habit, which is an eating habit, what will eventually happen is that it will have a negative and adverse effect on my body, which will then cause my life to be shortened, which is a curse. Are you still here? So, so if I have a bad habit of getting involved in things that are none of my business, then what will happen is, is eventually someone or some situation will cause. Do you see what I'm saying? So, because here's what happens as believers. We think curses are witches and warlocks and people with brooms and cauldrons and that kind of thing. No, curses originate out of our actions and our confessions. 
And God has called you, yes, you, right there in your seat. God has called you to be the curse breaker in your bloodline. He's called you because everybody's got something in their bloodline that's got the trace. I don't care if you got a silver spoon or you, or what, or you got a metal one, whatever you got. I guess that's the same thing. If you have a stone one. Are you still with me? Now, watch this. Habits decide my future. So, so, so habits, bad habits are generational curses. Now, now, general, generational curse is a pattern of behavior that is passed down from one generation to the next. We, we find a very clear uh, picture of generational curses, bad habits, active in the book of Judges. Judges is unique because in the book of Judges, now we found that the kingdom has split after Solomon's rule, and after Solomon's rule, the, kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel, it splits into Israel, which was north, and Judah, the kingdom of Judah, which was the south, kingdom of Israel, which was the north. And as it splits, what happens is we find that there is no ruler. Say no ruler. Or excuse me, this predates, this predates Solomon, rather. This is, this is after the rule there. And, and so in and, and Judges, we find that the children of Israel get involved in a cycle. Say cycle. Now, the cycle they get involved in is very interesting because, remember, these are the people that saw God split the Red Sea. These are the people that saw God bring manna out of heaven. These are the people that begged for meat. God gave them so much quail that it began to come out of their teeth and their stomachs. But we find this, this cycle. They disobey God. God sends an oppressor. Now, notice it wasn't the devil. God sent an oppressor. See, there are certain things that come against you and you're rebuking the devil and nothing changes because it's not the devil. It's God saying, I'm trying to get you back in order and back in line. God says, I wish you'd stop rebuking me because I'm not going anywhere. He'd send an oppressor. Israel, it, it, it was like clockwork. It's like relationships, man. Uh, th then Israel would repent. Then God would send a deliverer, hence the term judge. The deliverer was called the judge. Then there'd be peace for a period of time. Then they disobey all over again. That sounds like an episode of Maury Povich. You are not. There was no leader to lead the people after Joshua died. So the scripture says that the people did what was right in their own eyes. The, the, the generation after Joshua never saw or either forgot the great miracles of Moses' era and of Joshua's era. That's why it is so important, parents, we talked about this in the first installation of the series, that the Hebrew fathers would sit their children down and they would talk to them about their history. They would talk to them about their pedigree and they would say, son, listen, let me tell you, let me warn you against ABC because ABC messed with me and it conquered me, but I can't let it conquer you. See, a parent that loves their children will sit them down, not when they're 55 and 75. No, they'll sit them down when they're 10, 11, and 12 and say, son, let me tell you where I messed it up. Mother, stop being ashamed of your promiscuity in your, in your younger years. You tell your daughters, baby, I messed up, and I let a man say this to me and say this to me, but I'm here to tell you, you don't have to fall down that same path as me. A parent that loves their children will change. You can never forget where you've come from. You, you can never forget what you've been through. Because when you forget it, you are bound to repeat it. 
I, 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 I look at patterns and systems, and, and it's amazing to see how things repeat. You know, every, every, every 15 to 20, well, 10 to 20 years, depending on, on the specifics of the situation, it's amazing because uh, our economic system, for example, it's designed to break down every 10 to 20 years. Bishop, how do you know? It's built on debt. You, you understand that? Our economic system is built on people borrowing more than the half. Businesses all the way down to people. But, Mr., what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is, is that it amazes me how everybody gets freaked out. Like they didn't know it was coming. You knew from the 80s it was coming in the 2000s. Okay, all right, I can't get anybody to say nothing. Okay, that, 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 that's fine, that's fine. Well, so, say children of Israel. The children of Israel couldn't conquer their enemies, and God left their enemies in the promised place because they did not have an understanding of the generation before them. Nobody sat them down to tell them, hey, listen, this is where we messed up. This is where we blew it. This is what you need to watch out for. I, I said in the first message of, of this parental guidance series, the Achilles heel. Nobody explained the Achilles heel to them. Nobody said to them, hey, son, watch out for this. And so because nobody did that, what ended up happening is they never, ever were able to fully conquer their enemies. And even when they did, it was short-lived. Somebody say hallelujah. Now, Bishop, why am I saying hallelujah? Well, well, I says, because if you're listening to this message today, that means God is not through with you. And that means whatever you may have messed up on, God says there's another chance to fix it. See, y'all don't know when to shout at harvest. I said, there's another opportunity to fix him. You may have messed up with your first few children, but get it right with these next few. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It was interesting because the children of Israel, they worshiped the God of the promise, uh, 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 or the promise of the God, not the God of the promise. Let me say that again. Uh, the children of Israel worshiped their promise as if it was God. So when they finally did get to promised land, it got all their attention, all their affection. See, some of you are wondering, well, when is it going to happen for me? God says, I can't let it happen for you yet because I know you're going to leave me when I do it for you. And God says, I want to do this. I want to do that. But you and I both know that you're not ready for that. Because if I was to do that, you'd do just like the children of Israel. You'd engage in bad habits, generational curses. So I can't do it for you. I, I I'm going to help somebody today. I, I said I'm going to help somebody today. So the question is, Bishop, how do I know if I'm walking in a, a bad habit, in a generational curse? It's real simple. I'm going to list some of them out for you. I've taught you about it before. So I'm going to go through this real quick like I'm on the commercial. Depression, emotional roller coasters, paganism, magic, occult, horoscopes, diseases, anorexia, bulimia, boils, sores, cancer. Blindness, heart disease, diabetes, asthma, reproductive problems, STDs, anger, rage, financial instability, low self-esteem, suicide, fornication, pornography, addiction, abortions, affairs, drug abuse, family abuse, jail, judgmental family members, divorce, rebellion, bankruptcy, pride, anger, not honoring your parents, prostitution, and overbearing women that cause themselves strong. If you're dealing with any of those issues, you got a generational curse. But thank God you can break it, not tomorrow, but today. I wish somebody would get on their feet about being able to break that thing today. Hallelujah. Strong families. Strong men leading their families. Strong husbands. I speak of them in the name of Jesus. 
be seated. Watch this. Watch this. The third thing, the third thing you deal with, the third thing you deal with as a child that you work out as an adult is familiar spirits. Now, in the word familiar, you, you'll see another word there uh, in uh, family. Familiar spirits, watch this, because some people take stuff way out of the context the scripture does. Eh? Oh, I saw a dragon last night. No, you need to quit eating chili after 1030. That's what you need to quit doing. A familiar spirit is a pattern of behavior, watch this, that is common to people within a certain family. It's the actions of someone that has been here before. Okay, now, now, familiar spirits and generational curses really work hand in hand. They, they, they work in tandem. And thank God that there's a word in the house today that can allow you to break that stuff. Because now watch this. If you're sitting up in, 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 in the service today, wherever you're at, whatever campus you're at today, and you're thinking, well, this is a wonderful message. I'm going to get this tape for Sherlyn because she really needs it. And, I, you know, this is great. You're missing it because this is for you. This is for us. Wouldn't it be a shame that you would come to the hospital and leave with the same thing you walked in here with. Of course, it's more than a hospital, but you understand my point. Watch this. 90% of the issues that most people deal with are related to how they were parented and specific uh, to how they were fathered. Let me say it another way. 90% of the issues that most people deal with are daddy issues. Uh, the reason for that is because children find their identity from their father. The word father means life giver. So it becomes very difficult then for young people because they begin to try to find life wherever they can get it. Whoever will say something affirming to them, this is why they get in gangs. This is why they, 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 they run with bad crowds. This is why they get in relationships that are bad for them because they're looking for somebody to give me life. And the truth of the matter is, I said this before, a father can be in the home but not be in the home. He can be present but not present. It is not enough to be there and to just pay bills and to come in and bark out orders like you're the king of all four people in your house. I'm here to tell you being a father is about being involved in your children's life. It's about being active. You're not going to get it right all the time, but it's about saying I'm going to be different. I'm not going to rehearse the pathology that was perpetrated against me. Are y'all are y'all with me today? Now, when we come into Christ, we get a spiritual blood transfusion. And regardless of what issues we've dealt with in our childhood, we must adopt the new way that the new family of God operates. I'm going to say that again. Uh, I, matter of fact, I was watching a documentary on yesterday. I, I really like documentaries. I I am a I like to learn. Anybody else like to learn? I mean, I want to grow. I like to be stretching all the time. You, 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 you stop living when you stop learning. Now, I, I was watching a documentary, and it was a documentary studying uh, 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 baboons. And they were studying how baboons dealt. And it was amazing because baboons, uh, it was talking about stress. It was a documentary about stress. And uh, the doctor was studying baboons and how baboons were very similar to humans in that all of the suffering the baboons dealt with, aside from uh, uh, their predators and things of that nature, was all self-inflicted by one another. The only outside external influences that caused them stress was when they were running from a predator. Other than that, every stressor that they had in their life was self-inflicted. So they were comparing that to humans. Uh, they, they would talk about how uh, about 30 years ago when the doctor began the study, 
that uh, that the there were very alpha males, and these alpha males, you know, th these were males that had to let you know they were a man, and they'd run around poking their chest out at everybody, and these were they were very promiscuous men, and they were they were and that some baboons are promiscuous, and just he was a, he was a two uh, two baboon man, you know, he just. He, <laughs> But these men, they, they, they were alpha males, and they, they roamed around, and they would cause, watch this, stress and pressure for all of the people subordinate to them. They thought that the way they could accomplish maintaining their alpha male status, I'm going to help somebody. They thought that the way they could maintain their alpha male status was by subjugating and torturing everybody under them. So much so that the baboons would run over and they would start fighting other baboons because they needed them to know I'm the man here. Ain't that something? I'm going to help your neighbor. You're spiritual. You got this figured out. But that neighbor of yours... And then they compared that to how the workplaces of America are. That those in the supervisory positions would essentially torture those that were under them. This is his study now. I'm not saying that. But some of you sitting in here now, your whole prayer request today was about, Lord, fix this boss of mine, Jesus. And the way they maintained their alpha male status was by torturing everybody. But, but something happened because he studied them over 30 years. And so within 30 years, another generation had, had arisen. And here's what they found. The alpha males that were torturing everybody else and that, watch this, they were repeating the familiar spirits and the generational curses that were passed along. So you didn't know God had a covenant with God, and, with man and with animals. You ought to read your Bible. It'll, it'll really get you because God made a covenant with animals. It's the Noahic covenant. So they had the propensity then to perpetrate generational curses and familiar spirits. Stay, touch your neighbor say, stay with him. Now watch this. Here's what happened. What they found is the alpha males who exerted all their energy letting everybody know who they were that they died on average several years before everybody else because they were so stressed out trying to protect their image. Somebody better say preach, Bishop. They were so stressed out trying to protect my this and my that and I'm a man and I'm this. They were so stressed out by that that it killed them. And so what the studies showed, watch this, what the studies showed was that in one generation, all the alpha males were dead. Watch this. Watch this. And a new kind of male had arisen. This male, he led with compassion and by example. Okay, watch this, fellas. Because, fellas, we've just been perpetrating stuff. We didn't know, but we're going to get it right today. I wish some men would shout at me at harvest. We so, so in one generation, that alpha male thing completely died out. And now you found men that were one baboon baboons. And, and what happens is, it's so interesting, the, the culture of baboons, because they, they were very much so in the scripture, they, it, what they did. They, 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 here's what they would do. They would be born into their family. Watch this. They would grow up, 
leave their family, go find a mate, and join the her family. And that's what happens in the majority of American culture. That's kind of what happens. You already know whose house you're going over for Thanksgiving. <laughs> but watch this. They would come to the new tribe or the new clan. I forget the specific terminology they use for each family unit. And they would come with all that alpha male stuff. But the new men, the new male baboons, and the women that had started being treated properly, they told him, oh, we're not having all of that around here. They broke the curtain. Ah, Jesus. They said, we're not having all of that around here. And it only took about six months for them to conform and change. Bishop, what are you trying to say? <laughs> that when you come into the family of Christ... God says, there's certain things I'm not having that no more. And if you're going to serve me, you're going to have to lay down the old you. And you're going to have to pick up the way I... When I come into Christ, I don't get to bring all of my baggage. There are some things Christ says I got to lay down. And what they found was, is that once these new males assimilated to the culture that was now established, that the life expectancy of everybody increased. Watch the spiritual point. If we can deal with the spiritual stuff that's killing us, imagine the longevity you're going to see in your family and in your bloodline. I'm going to tell you, you might be like Hezekiah where God says, I'm going to extend your life because cause there's change. Somebody say hallelujah. Now, 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 watch this, watch this, watch this. I'm about through. Things in the spiritual realm work both ways. Just as you can be blessed with the blessing of Abraham as the covenant you and I partake in, Genesis 12, you can be cursed with the curse of your earthly parents if you don't take authority over it. And remember what the curse is. He said, well, Bishop, I had pretty good parents. No, but remember, remember what the curse is. It's bad habits. I'm not saying your parents were sitting there and you all were having seances and moving a Ouija board around and you're saying, I got to break that. No, I'm talking about bad habits. Are you still with me? Now, 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 watch this. The blessing of Abraham is upon us. Say that. And it's because we're born again believers in Jesus Christ. And if you're not, before you leave this service today, you will be one. But here's the other side of that coin. Your, generation, your generations can be cursed because of your earthly family if you let it. Now, now, familiar spirits are quite the conundrum because we all have a desire to be accepted and loved. And so familiar spirits are things that we're comfortable with. Think things that we, we, we don't necessarily understand whether or not or see whether or not we'll be able to exist or live without it. And so it, it's, very, it's very interesting because I said this earlier, but because of familiar spirits and the desire to be accepted and the desire to receive life and receive affirmation and confirmation, this is why many of our young people join gangs and they stay in bad relationships. It's, it's why people will operate in the curse. It's why people will be unapologetically arrogant because they do not understand it, that it's familiar. Are you still with me? Watch this. Some stuff has been in your bloodline for so long that it knows just what to do to get to you. 
The enemy for the last six, please understand, from Genesis to now, we are in the year 5,770, which means this, that for the last 6,000 years, the enemy has studied your ancestors to find out what their weaknesses were and how he could defeat them. And he's counting on what he used on generations before you to work against you. He's been studying you. Are you still here? That, 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 that's why it is so important to ask the question, what is it that every time I get close to a major breakthrough shows up? Because when I can identify that, I can identify what the enemy has been trying to perpetrate against my bloodline for years. What is it that every time I get close to destiny, it stands there to oppose me? It's a familiar spirit. Tell somebody say it's a familiar spirit. Familiar spirits are, are, have an even uh, another level of depth to them because many times it is in family that people experience some of their greatest hurts. And when you're rejected and dropped by people, especially your family, you can develop a hard shell that prevents you from walking in love with other people. Because you are determined that I will not be hurt again like I was hurt before. And so you end up hurting everybody else and offending everybody else because you got an exterior on. You judge me like I'm your last pastor. I'm not him and I will not pay for the mistakes of other people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, because, because, because you, 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 you fear that which you don't understand. And so many people have been hurt in families and they felt ostracized and criticized and they felt like the black sheep. And many times it was because they escorted themselves outside and painted themselves black. It's not that they were the black sheep. They just didn't want to fit in. They didn't want to acclimate. They, they, they didn't want to. They didn't want to do all of that. They wanted to be the oddball. And so they, they didn't want to come in and play tic-tac-toe with everybody else. They wanted to be outside working on a design for something and so they call themselves the black sheep but they did that to themselves bishop what is the point you're trying to make when you're dealing with familiar spirits you're dealing with things that have been entrenched and ingrained in individuals so much so that when you try to tell them about it they'll think something's wrong with you because they know no other way to do it are y'all still here I'm just about through. Watch what, this. It's, it's, it's so important that we understand this because uh, uh, David, David comes to mind because we see in David this principle of familiar spirits working. You said, Bishop, what do you mean? Well, David's bloodline and history goes back to Rahab. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with who Rahab is and was, Rahab had a little bit of a reputation. Rahab was an unsavory woman in the community. They came up with a name for her a couple of decades ago. They called her a homewrecker. This isn't Wednesday, so I won't push it. Now, watch this. Rahab's issue. Now, God changed her life as well, eventually. But Rahab's issue was sexual immorality. She, she could not uh, control and tame her, her sexual proclivities. And so consequently, she was the town prostitute. Everybody in Jericho knew about Rahab. You see Rahab at the store, you move to the other side of the thing. If a wife and husband was in the store and the husband turned over and looked at Rahab, he was on the couch that night. 
Now watch this. Rahab is in the generations of David. She's, she's a, an ancestor predating David. Watch this. What was David's problem? Sexual immorality. Are y'all getting this? He looked over at the top of a roof and, and people try to make it like Bathsheba was doing wrong. But the truth of the matter is, is that all Hebrew women washed on the tops of their homes. The difference was, is David was supposed to be out fighting and he decided, I'm going to sip this one out. And as he decided, see, that's why it's so important, men, that, that we understand that we're always in a leadership position and we're always leading. There's no downtime. We're always setting an example because when David tried to take a break, let me talk kind of street to you. He got got. <laughs> Let me translate. That means he got hoodwinked, bamboozled. He looks over at Bathsheba. Then all of a sudden, Numbers 14, 18 kicks in. He gets a knock. And the knock is, hey, I'm sexual immorality. And I got your ancestor Rahab with it. What are you going to do? I live in this bloodline. All of your folks have dealt with this. What are you going to do about it? Some of you are sitting in here today, and recently your life has been knocked on by some iniquity. Your life has been knocked on by a familiar spirit, and it knocks up the door and says, Hey, I've been here longer than you. I've been here for 6,000 years. I know exactly what it takes. I know what kind of man to send. I know how tall to make him. I know what shade, color, skin to make him. I know what to do. I know just what kind of woman to send. I know exactly what she needs to look like. I know exactly what she needs to say. I know just the right kind of alcohol to use because this didn't work. No, Heineken didn't work for y'all, but I got some of it. I know just the thing to push your buttons. I know, I know exactly what I have to do. I know exactly what I need your wife to say so that it angers you so you feel justified in the way you treat her. I know exactly what I need to do. I've been here 6,000 years. I'm familiar. Am I helping anybody? Let me balance that one out, too, so that the men don't, don't, don't let me balance that one out. He says, I know exactly what the husband needs to say to the wife so she can justify her lack of submission to him. And then they'll have the crazy cycle. She doesn't respect him. He won't love her. Because he's not respected, he won't love. Crazy cycle. He violates Bathsheba. Out of that is born Solomon. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Solomon's born. But you know what David never did with Solomon? He never said, Solomon, let me tell you what my problems were, son. See, 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 watch this. The first son that they had died, the second lived. Uh, because David didn't kill that, his son dealt with it to the thousandth degree. Solomon was born by the way of a fling with another woman. And then we see uh, Numbers 14 in action because Solomon now as a man he takes the throne as he takes the throne. He has 700 wives, 300 concubines, the Bible calls them girlfriends. He had staff people to deal with his women because he couldn't. Read your Bible. He had people go talk to her. See, something happened. I don't think she likes he didn't like my gift. Go talk to her. Go figure it. He said, you know, if it was the day he would have tweeted and emailed and said, go. <laughs> to send out group emails with compassionate things to say. 
Are you still here? What's that? So, so then Solomon one day meets Pharaoh's daughter. And it's so interesting that it's Pharaoh's daughter because what I can't figure out is how Solomon could decide to marry the woman of the empire that enslaved his people for so many years. You think he would look at her and say to himself, hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. Do y'all like us Hebrews or not? Watch, watch, watch this, watch this, watch this. He meets Pharaoh's daughter. Because all the other women weren't the issue. They weren't the downfall for Solomon. He, 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 he figured out a system. His staff was helping him out. And he, you know, he, he had a system. He brought in some associate husbands and all that. He, he had a system going. But one day he meets Pharaoh's daughter. And watch this. Bishop, why is it important to note it's Pharaoh's daughter? It's important to note that it's Pharaoh's daughter because the Egyptians knew the weaknesses of the Hebrews. So when she shows up, she shows up as a familiar spirit. And she says, I got your daddy with it. And I'm going to get you with it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say, trace the pattern. Say it again. Say, trace the pattern. It's the same thing every time. It may come in a different package, but it has the same purpose. I'll say it again. It's the same thing every time. It may come in a different package. So you say, he, he, he's nothing like uh, my last husband. I mean, he's taller. Okay, I can see I'm going to have to dig here. Watch this. Watch this. Here's how familiar spirit works. If, if, if your pathology is to always be in abusive situations to men, well, I did a blog about this at some point. If that's your issue, here's what the enemy will do. He won't send it because he knows you're going to be looking for it in a spouse. So he'll send it in your son. He'll send it in a cousin. Vice versa for men. I'm just using random examples. Are you doing what I'm saying? Same thing, every time, same purpose, different package. That's a familiar spirit. Are you still with me? Now, 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 now watch this. Watch this. David told Solomon what to do, what not to do. But you never, ever see David really, and I mean seriously and genuinely, bless David. Or David to bless Solomon, rather. Now, 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 watch this. Watch this. The goal for every father is that his son should exceed him. If, if you don't want your sons and daughters to exceed you, then you, there's a basic fundamental. Under, if you see yourself in competition with your children, there is a basic fundamental misunderstanding you got going. And some of you know what I'm talking about because some of you in here today thinking, my God, I need to get a tape of this for my mama because she just, oh. Are you still here? Now, 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 watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. He, he never really blessed his son. How do I know it? Because they both only reigned for 40 years. Which meant the generation before him did nothing to prepare the generation after him. It was a dead even. There, there was no, no, no land, no nothing game. The only thing is that Solomon was one of the richest men to ever live and perhaps one of the wisest. But I don't know how wise he was because he became rich by overtaxing the people so much so that when his son came, they overthrew him. So we got to kind of put that with a grain of salt. 
Parents, watch this. Let me, let me go ahead and get to the meat of this thing. Parents, have you blessed your children? I'm not talking about just fussing at them. Well, don't do this. But no, no, no. no, have you blessed them? In the scripture, we find great moments where fathers would bless their children and they would lay their hands upon them and they would speak the blessing over them. Have you blessed them? Because maybe the reason they're acting cursed is because you didn't put something else there as a placeholder. Listen, when can I start? The moment you find out there's one in there, you don't have to wait until they come out. You start praying over in the womb. I bless you in the name of Jesus. You better get it. You better come out here acting right. Don't you come out with no... So today, parents and leaders, maybe you don't have natural children, but you have nieces and nephews and whatever. Watch this. You are confronted with a choice. Jesus says a powerful statement. He says, depart from me. You know the rest of it. You workers of iniquity. Notice he didn't say depart from me, you sinners. Uh, Did you get it? Notice he didn't say depart from me, you transgressors. He said, depart from me, you workers of generational curses. Jesus says, if you're so only concerned about you, that you don't change your life to affect the generations after you. I don't want anything to do with you. So depart from me, those of you that participate in generational curses and refuse to break them. The reason he says depart from me is because you know it's wrong, but you refuse to break it. But I think there's some people in the house today I said, I think there's some folk in the house today. Maybe they're watching on the internet campus, but there's some people in the house today that say, today it all ends. So, so real quick, three points. Question is, parents, what are you modeling for your children? What are you modeling for them? What do they see you do? It's amazing to me when a parent wonders why their child lies and the parent lies. It's amazing to me how befuddled they are about that. Like it's a mystery. I don't know why they do this. Well, you a liar. No, it's just difficult for them to be something else than what they see. That's a rough Sunday, huh? What are we modeling? And watch this, parents. We're not going to always get it right. So there's no sense trying to be perfect saint. As a matter of fact, your kids know when you're trying to be perfect saint because they'll see you acting church one way and then get in the car outside in the parking lot and they're like, where did all that shouting and thank you, Jesus, and hallelujah? Where did all that go? Come on, can we be real? Where did all of your thank you, Lord, go when we got into the parking lot? You need to get back in the church and get at the altar. I'm telling Bishop on you. So that means when we do mess it up and we do blow it because we will, you know what we say? I blew it. That wasn't right. I should not have done that. And the same way I did it is the same way I corrected. Which means if they see you talking to your spouse in, in a way that's inappropriate, I don't go fix it in private. Since I did it in public, I fix it in public. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You, you, whatever, however I offend and transgress and, and perform iniquity is the same way I got to correct that thing. So what are we modeling? What do they see us not do? Because that speaks too. 
So, 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 so first thing I got to do is change what I'm modeling. Change what I'm showing. Got, got change. Got change. And watch this, parent. You may be doing a great job. But we can always do better. And I know we got great parents in Harvest because I see you buying all the parenting books and all the parenting series, and that, that's evidence of a good parent. A good parent wants to become a better one. That's how you know you're a good one. Second thing you got to do, I've already said it to you, is speak the blessing over them. Every opportunity you get, lay hands on them and speak the blessing on them. And don't be attaching conditions. Lord, as long as their room is clean tonight, I speak the blessing. <laughs> what if God did that to you? Now, he does give some conditions, but not... Not that strenuous. Third thing you got to do, and this we're going to do today corporately, you ready? Is we have to forgive past generations. You can have unforgiveness, uh, malice, and hatred toward people for their actions in the past against you, so much so that you've magnified it, and whatever you magnify, you become. You, you, you can be so angry at the way you saw your father treat your mother that you're, you're filled with vengeance and you're, and you're filled with anger. And, but because you magnify that, you become him. Are you getting what I'm saying? You can be so angry at the way that things were that you end up becoming the very thing that you did not want to be because whatever you magnify, you become. That's why the scripture says, magnify the Lord with me. Because if I magnify the Lord, I'll become more and more like the Lord. Because whatever I magnify, I become. Everybody stand on your feet with me this morning. Father, in Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. To those who visit Mickey D's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee, give this Mickey D's brew a second chance. The glow up was real. Try any size iced coffee brewed with 100% Arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg for $2.79. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.